Welcome to episode 17 of the Local Meta. My name is Fletcher. And I'm John. Oh, and I'm Scott. Before we get to the weird third voice, um, me and John just want to cover something really quick that I'm sure is on everyone's mind and you haven't been able to sleep about it. So last week we did a bonus episode that was supposed to be a real episode. And so we figured it all out. It was just a semantics wank. But we came to a conclusion, right, yes. John? Politics can be very toxic. I got Fletcher to at least agree with me on this on that topic for part. And we may hit that up and actually do a real EDH episode, Maybe. but not right now. We're going to do something completely different. So <laughs> there was a random voice in our intro there. So we want to welcome Scott to our show. Scott's one of our local players. So, um, so... Yeah, Scott, why don't you uh, um, introduce yourself? We'll use some of the classic questions, I guess. So, when did you start playing Magic? I started casually playing around 7th edition, because I got a sweet Thorn Elemental deck back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> that was everyone's Super first trample. Foil, right? I, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a sweet bookmark. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, competitively playing... Zendikar? It was Zendikar Standard. Because I remember buying Fat Packs when I was in... just started college. And I've been playing ever since. So wait, you actually started playing competitive during Cobblade? Uh, yeah, that was my first successful deck. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why it was so successful. I wonder why I shelled out uh, hundreds of dollars. <laughs> yeah. So... So why did you get into Magic? Um, Magic kind of at first was a, like I played a lot, some D&D as a kid and then it was, you know, obviously the gateway drug to card games, right? To, to nerd things. And then the competitive thing, uh, a buddy of mine I met at college up in uh, Grand Rapids was playing in the library one day and uh, I had just bought the premium foil slivers deck and i'm he did do he asked me if i wanted to go to fnm and i was like could i play slivers and then he said no (laughs) absolutely not (laughs) no but there's this really cool thing called allies and you might like this and he handed me a five color ally deck it was close enough (laughs) Uh, yeah uh but otherwise i've always been competitive with anything i do and I like being strategic, and they just kind of, you know, went from there. I went two and two at my that first FNM. There so, we go. Yeah. I I think I still got the sick brags, right, John, for my first ever like competitive event. Going completely undefeated. Well, because I because no, it was the legacy was the first event I ever played, yeah. also. <laughs> but. Sorry, I'm just gonna steal thunder. So the most also the most important question before we get really deep in the weeds here, what's your favorite card in Magic? So I probably have two answers. <laughs> One is, am I gonna be playing this card in a competitive event, or is it gonna be a oh hey let's play like EDH or something? It's not even have to. Play. It's not even a matter of play. It's what is your favorite card in Magic? Like mine is Raging Goblin. I will never put that sure. card in a deck ever outside of like. Cranko just because I can. 
I mean, I could see you putting it in the sideboard as a 15th card in Legacy. Don't lie. Just just, uh, just for kicks. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, favorite card, actually? Um, I'm not going to be the obvious Jace the Mind Sculptor guy. Um, but <laughs> That's just it, cheating. It, yeah, it, it is. But I I honestly think Skithrix, the Blight Dragon... Like, that card came out, and I didn't really know what Poison was yet, and then Infect and, you know, the Mirrodin block uh, second time around. And who doesn't love Todd Lockwood art? Fair enough. I mean... I really like the card. Plus, also, that card has a sick name. Right? Skittles. Yeah, (laughs) Skittles, but, I mean, I don't know. It's it's, it's a super sweet card. Yeah. It was just, like, my first foray into my own deck building was Blue-Black Infect. And I played Skithrix and Tezzeret and Ink Moth Nexus, and I thought I was the cool thing until Brian Kibler did well with it. <laughs> and, then I, and then I just copied, apparently. <laughs> if, you, if you're copying somebody, even accidentally, you're doing it right. I mean, yeah. Like, when I first started, you know, it was taboo, but nowadays, it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Net, net decking. Oh, that was evil Ooh. back when I started. But. Yeah. So, we'll get into our, we'll just jump right into our main topic here now, and this is a big topic, so we wanted another, another um, uh, voice on this one, and Scott's got a lot of experience that can talk about this, so John, why don't you introduce our topic? Alright, so just so everyone knows, Fletcher's only making me do this because he doesn't know how. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, I kind of think of this as like, it's comparing magic to other games but it's less other games and more like just concepts that other games happen to have adopted and i kind of perceive this as being like let's discuss magic shortcomings and it's not even necessarily shortcomings it just comes down to like things that every ever so slightly get a little on my nerves but they're just kind of magic (laughs) as a whole in case you guys haven't noticed by now a lot of shit gets on my nerves (laughs) <laughs> that's like the reason this podcast started yes. but <laughs> what really grinds John's gears <laughs> man one day there's gonna be an episode of like me doing nothing but swearing over something stupid like slow play we've come close but so I guess what were there any games you particularly had in mind or concepts that you had in mind when we started talking about this alright so my initial thing that actually made me think of this is for very few people know this, but another game that I enjoy to watch, but I do not play whatsoever is Starcraft two. It's an amazing game to watch. I am not good enough at it mechanically to ever play. It's like as good as I would want to due to my competitive mentality. Like, I think I topped out at like plat when I played, which there's various, I suppose there's, so there's, Bronze, Silver, Gold, Plat, Diamond, Master, and Grandmaster. So I was about in the middle. And there's a saying in StarCraft II that has... It has always been a thing ever since StarCraft II came out. And it was, unless you are, like, Diamond or or Master... Sorry, unless you're, like, Master or Grandmaster ranking, which... Those are the rankings that the actual professional players tend to sit at when they're actually playing the ladder. If you are not one of those ranks, you there is you can never blame any losses on 
balance. Because the actual innate mechanics of the game, they are so intense that if you are better at macro than your opponent or micro, you will beat them no matter how unbalanced their units actually are. And the entire thought I had was like, can we apply something like that to be the same in magic? Can you play better to to make up for imbalance of cards that your opponents happen to be playing? Like, how much does skill matter versus luck and balance in magic? I mean, my opinion is a, is skill is far more important. Like, I mean, I, I've always... You know, I've always been one of the people that kind of champions the common cause of don't blame your losses on luck. Like, you're going to get just more mileage if you don't do that. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of what I take with the with the balance thing here to some degree. Um, I, I don't know, though, like, how the play skill piece kind of falls into it, I guess. Like, that's interesting when you really compare it to magic, I guess. So something that, like an actual example that I have, is um, Emrakul the Promiscent. Everyone and okay. their mother says the card is unfun to play against. It's just like an automatic I win button, blah, 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 right? Um, there was an instance where who I personally considered to be like the best magic player in our meta was playing, um, ah, what the hell? Was he actually playing? He was playing a control deck. I, he was playing a he was playing actual like blue white or blue red control against black green delirium. Oh okay. All right, and he he won game one. Game two, no, he lost game one. Game two, his opponent cast three Emrakuls against him, and he still won. And game three, hmm. he lost because his opponent cast one Emrakul and he was able to well, win the game off the back of that. And as a result, he started complaining a lot about the actual balance of Emrakul as a magic card. Because it's, you know, Mind Slaver is not a fun mechanic, right? That's just a fact of life. I mean, it's fun if you cast it. Yeah, but... <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's awesome, but it's not fun. Yeah. yeah. So like that's that's that was one of the big things. Like you you constantly hear it at F and M, and like you know me me and Scott used to be in a magic group slash she still is in a magic group, and it was very common for people to complain about the balance of cards and that, and it always got me wondering like, well, can you just play better? Or I mean, that's always been my stance. I mean, if you think about so think about our banning episode we did. And anyone who hasn't listened to that, go listen to that because we're shameless horrors and are going to promote ourselves. Um, but, like, in that one you talked about, or I, I talked about um, that I still think Treasure, or Treasure Crew should not have been banned in Legacy. Which is absolutely insane to say. I'm just going to, I'll completely admit it and everything. Because I am of the opinion that every card is beatable. And that's not true, I'll say. But I think it's far closer to the truth than the opposite is that balance is way out of whack. I have no data for this. This is just my opinion, and I have a podcast. <laughs> no, no, that makes sense. Sorry to me. Like, I kind of have the same mindset when I think about it. And somebody says, oh, 
this card, it should be in my deck. And then someone will reply, and you know, if they're helping building the deck or tweaking it or something, and they'll say, well, that card can't beat this card, but it beats five other decks, or it's relevant, but you're so um, oriented on the, I guess, results side of things. Would that, would that be the correct, I guess? Yeah, yeah maybe. I, I can... I can see the correlation. Yeah, so like, oh, play this card instead of the Play card A instead of card B, because card A beats all the tier 1 decks. But in reality, this event you're going to, it's a local event, so everyone's going to have tier 2 and tier 3 decks, so you don't need card A. Card B will do both jobs just fine. Yeah, you're, go- you're going to you're going exactly. to m You don't need a specific hate card for, you know, the best of the best. Right, and then yeah. that goes into a whole other broad spectrum of the type of events that it's relevant to when you're building your decks or that, you know, that rabbit hole. Yeah, and I mean, you know, and to to go with your quote here, John, I mean, if you're playing at the Pro Tour, like, maybe that, you know, maybe the balance being off a few percent is very, very important there because you have... Though, you know, very, very good yeah. players. But at FNM, it really doesn't matter. Like, you know, as you said, that guy won, won a game after three Emrakuls came out. Yeah. You know, it's like, I mean, if, if anything can prove it, I've won, I've won games with unexpected results at FNMs and stuff. So, like, you know, which should never, never, ever win. Oh, man. I've got a good, good unexpected results story. I don't think I've ever told you, Fletcher. <laughs> All right, so I don't care what this podcast is about. It is now about this. Okay. So, uh, Ravnik, Return of Ravnik is standard five color omniscience unexpected Travis Lou Brew deck. You know that thing. Uh, yep. Sit down. I'm in Arizona. I'm in Tucson at a big shop, like 120 person FM. Sit down. Nobody knows who I am. They just know that, oh, hey, he kind of writes for the website. And he's and sit down against a, a grinder. Go turn one, tap line, pass. Turn two, far seek. And then turn three, shock myself. Unexpected results. And the guy's like, oh, I think I've seen this list. I'm like, yeah, it's pretty sweet. So shuffle him a deck. And just flip omniscience off the top. I'm like, oh, that's really cool. And I'm like, uh, increasing ambition? And he's like, oh, wait, what? I'm like, enter the infinite? Orkamos kill you? It's like, I guess we're going to game, uh, game two. Uh, oh, I love it. I didn't win that round. But, uh, style, style points. Style points are all that matters with unexpected results. That's just a fact of life. As I said, as I said that what, what that deck you know loses in games, it makes up for in story, story equity. But... <laughs> So, but to to get back to the actual point, um, <laughs> I think I, I feel like your 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 point with StarCraft is completely right. As in, like that that balance only matters to the top percent because play skill is going to go far, far, far further than and than the balance of cards, unless they're way out of whack. Mm. And I think they have to be way out of whack. Like, I I mean, like you've heard me rant and stuff. I'm super critical of almost any banning that happens. And because I think I think people should try to beat things. I want to see metagame shift and, you know, and people solve their own problems instead of just being, instead of, you know, just our favorite quote ever, well, I'll just wait till it gets banned. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, 
which drives me up a wall. Pretty much. Yeah. Like, Standard. obviously this is not like, there have been legitimate mistakes made, right? Like, yes. Cobblade was a mistake. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, um, Emrakul, I personally don't think it was a mistake, but I understand. It, it leads to unfun gameplay. Yeah. Like, turn four Ulamogs is not something that they probably planned for. Which, actually, no, they did not plan for because all of Battle for Zendikar should not be in standard as of right now based on what they were planning yeah. when they made this set. I didn't think about that, actually. That's interesting. Yeah, so, like, yeah like, because people cried, and people crying is what ruins everything. Yeah, like, <laughs> your own fault. Yeah, like, this is literally <laughs> everyone's fault who complained about the faster rotation. You shit in your bed, you lie. <laughs> <in it. laughs> like, like, don't get me wrong, turn four Ulamogs are really, really feel bad, but... I'm a firm believer yeah. in the self-correcting meta, even at, you know, the local level, where it's like, eventually, people just get bored of playing those decks, right? How many mm -hmm. times can you spin a marble and still find it entertaining? <laughs> like, this, this, I mean, <laughs> this is going to be a nice segue into the next, you know, topic, but just how important is winning FNM to you to where you have to make yourself and those around you miserable? Yeah, I mean, this is a topic we've brought up a lot, though. So, yeah. but it, like, okay, okay, <laughs> John, I'm gonna, I want you to introduce your thoughts on this one too, because a lot of the, a lot of this episode is your brainchild, and I feel like you, this is the one case ever where you can describe it better than I can. All right, so, sick dig. So, this is a topic that legitimately makes both me and Fletcher angry. And funnily enough, the reason why you're here, Scott, is because we wanted a third person to make sure it wasn't just the two of us swearing about everyone. Sure. So you need to keep We need a voice, need of, a reason. voice of reason. You're gonna you're gonna hopefully be that voice. I I will try my darndest. I despise the concept of EV. And specifically EV as in trying to like make your money back make your money back go infinite to some degree like so this is this is more of a comparison of magic to other hobbies as a whole so like before magic what me and fletcher and our friend group did is we played airsoft like we poured thousands of dollars into these plastic looking things so we could look awesome while running through the woods sweating our balls off we had yes. <laughs> there is no yeah like, yeah there is no way we can ever make our money back right like there I, even if there was professional airsoft teams there's no way in hell we were you know good enough to ever do it i don't think i'd ever want to do it anyways and like just hobbies as a whole like even gaming like you know i recently tabletop, yeah, gaming, tabletop yeah. gaming even just regular pc gaming like you i don't buy starcraft 2 hoping to make money back so why is it the norm for people, well not the norm, why is it common for people who play Magic to look at Magic and think of, well, how am I going to get my most, the most of my return for this instead of, well, how am I going to spend my money for this particular form of entertainment? Why is the return necessary? And, yeah. And I, yeah, I wonder if we're comparing apples to oranges here, but I... 
I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I don't know because that that's how I view I view magic as a hobby like that. Like even playing competitively, mm-hmm. which obviously I very much do as well. Like you know, I poured literal thousands into my magic collection, and I never plan on seeing a return on it. I guess, like when you said comparing apples to oranges, being like uh, airsoft is an example for a type of entertainment where you're going to spend a couple hundred dollars on something, not expect a return in your investment, but in reality, you know, the return is the enjoyment and the fun that you're having while doing it. Um, So let's say that you have that. Um, So I guess when I first started playing competitive, you know, F and M, like we won't say competitive. That's a, that's a, I guess, a different term. Uh, I started yeah, going to. Um, there, there are the competitive F and M grinders. Like, let's not let let's be legit. Me and you are both one of them. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah no, for sure. But I mean, like in 2010, when I started going to F and M, it was to go spend five dollars on the entry, spend five dollars on McDonald's afterwards, and have six hours of fun with my friends. And get a couple, couple packs. Like now, like you saying, like I don't know, it just kind of sparked, and I thought about it, and I'm like, well, back then, I had just started, and I was doing it for fun because I wanted to hang out with my friends, and I didn't care about my return. If I got stuff for prizes, that was like the coolest damn thing ever, and like little Timmy inside of me was excited, right? So, and then it kind of. Uh, I guess, to a, a point, and I'm sure most Magic players, if not, well, a majority, like probably 60 to 70% of them now, um, break into watching, like, Star City games or Channel Fireball's GP or something, and then they're like, oh, this is what I can get into. Let's, let's you know, deck list. Let's, let's look up all this stuff. And then they kind of opened Pandora's box, and now they're like, well, I could go to this Grand Prix and spend, well, back then, you know, 50 bucks, mm-hmm. and I can potentially win, like, tens of thousands of dollars. Oh, I should practice and get better at this. And then they get that mindset. And it kind of, if you can't control the mindset, they kind of can corrupt you in a way. And I feel like I've, I definitely 100% got to that point before I moved to Arizona for school. Because I corrupted a casual magic community, and they all hated me. And I eventually repaired it, because I nickeled and dimed the shit out of them in trades. And when they found out that that's what I was doing, because, you know, they had, like, Swords of Feast and Famines and Stoneforge Mystics and Cameos and Moon Sages and stuff like that that they didn't care about. They just wanted a planeswalker in return. Here's a Tibble, give me your cameo. That kind of stuff. Scumbag Scott was, you know, that was obviously the pinnacle of the bad days. But that's, I guess, a little different because trading. But that mindset of I need to get my my value, I need to make the most out of this, and then people just kind of don't pull the heads out of their asses, I guess, <laughs> and they stick with it. And I kind of feel more people should just be willing to um, get what you get if it's local because it's it's not like we live in, you know, uh, Los Angeles or Miami or the New England area. I mean, you know, or, yeah. even, 
even just like, you know, down in the Twin Cities, we know that they have a higher payout, but there's also like 10 different stores in the space of two miles down there. Right. So then like the differences of like Duluth having maybe have four or five stores, but none of them, there's two of them that will have, uh, I'm doing air quotes right now, competitive events. Yeah. But it's more of a, hey, I went two and one at an event recently and I got 15 in store credit and it was a $10 entry and top four was payout. That's awesome. Like it's, it's, uh, it was a competitive, um, uh, like, I guess not competitive event, so to speak, but it was a higher paid, it was top four payout, you know, event. So I knew what I was going and getting myself into. But if I go to a different store, I'm paying $5 to play four rounds of standard. I, I know I'm probably going to make my $5 back. You know, if I get a pack in the end, I'm fine. You know, I played four rounds of magic. I'm happy with it, and I probably made some people laugh. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if I get more than that, cool. You know, like, I'm always down to get more out of it, and that's always, you know, preferred. But I guess I'm not the kind of person that, you know, freaks out about having to make $50 at FM because it's not very realistic. I I feel like the 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 goal is just um people are focusing on the wrong goal I guess. Uh so cuz the way I I look at it is I don't think I feel like the goal of playing magic to make money air quotes is is flawed and getting better to accomplish that goal is flawed in my mind i feel like you should be playing magic because you enjoy it and want to improve and making that value back should just be a should be the effect of of doing what you're doing not the goal of doing what you're doing i know it sounds really nitpicky but i think that's super super important and i think that shift in mindset is probably something that to some degree um I don't know, like, it, it helps me. I, I feel like people should be, man, I don't even know, I don't even know what I'm saying yeah. now and stuff, but it's just, yeah. Pavlov, that kind of makes me feel like the Pavlov experiment. You know, you, yeah. that's just kind of the way you said it, that's what it reminded me of. Like, you should be doing yeah. these things, and then, okay, look, treat, thanks. Like, yeah. Like, well, like, we actually, more or less, we've actually been having. It's not really an epidemic because it's like the same two in three people lately at standard FNMs, where they'll commonly be the only two undefeateds going into the fourth round, and they mm-hmm. will draw to guarantee themselves first and second place in standard FNM, and it's <laughs> pissing off a lot of other standard players. Yeah. And there's. Like, there's multiple other standard players who are now, they're like, well, yeah, if we're ever in that position, we're just going to do it to screw them out of it now. So it's like, it's kind of motivating them to get better, but for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. And it's unbelievably toxic, and, like, I'm considering saying something to the people involved, but I just don't know if I want to get into it. Like, Be I'm nice. Try- I'm trying to avoid arguments lately because you know I got the playmat that literally I got for being a like valuable member of my community, and I don't want to destroy that by screaming at someone. <laughs> Into the bonfire. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no. I, I love how that I love how that playmat actually made you a better person. It did. Like, <laughs> I like whenever I, I start getting salty, I look at my playmat. I'm like, I'm not gonna say anything as long as this person's in this room. <laughs> I'll just go outside and swear in my car. Yeah. <laughs> so. So I, part of this EV thing, actually, I, I when we were talking about this, I, I had the question. So is is this mentality or is this sort of payout thing unique to Magic? So I, I was wondering if you guys knew of any games that functioned in the same way, was, like similar types of I games. I was actually going to ask a somewhat similar question to that because I, I was actually I was going to bring up StarCraft 2 where it's like you – People do not play StarCraft 2 expecting a return, even though, like, obviously the initial buy-in is much, much lower. But even though, like, there are literally, like, tournaments every day that have, like, a $100 prize payout if you win them. And, you know, you can you can go to, like, DreamHack Hack Opens or maybe it was MLG, where anyone can sign up. And if you can somehow climb the ladder through all the pros, you can actually pay for play for cash. But... It was such a rare thing that people just didn't care about it. Like, I never heard people talking about, like, trying to make money off of playing it if they weren't actually pros. Right. Yeah, I kind of dabbled in into that kind of thing with uh, Call of Duty and Halo back in the day. Mm-hmm. It was, like, it was internet-run small, like, $100 type event where you register on, I think it was gamebattles.com or something like that. It was, like, a an MLG affiliate site, and it was just little, kind of like like Magic Online, like eight-man events. It's similar to that, where you toss ten bucks in, play the event, win hundred percent cash out, kind of thing. That was like a long time ago, so I have no idea if that kind of stuff even goes on because that's before. I mean, it's huge. I imagine it's still something that probably could happen, but like, because yeah. the, the only comparison I can make into my mind using a video game. Um, is not even for money. It's like, so when I started speedrunning, um, like, I never had anything in my mind of trying to get a world record or a top ten or anything like that, even and stuff. The person I was competing against was myself, and I was playing it for my own enjoyment and everything, and to try to do the best I could. And I guess that mentality is something that I, that that's the mentality that I kind of am coming at Magic with to some degree. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, even like uh, at like you know, even my like my brief forays into other card games, like I also played Yu-Gi-Oh at the store. I played it to win packs for Magic because I was all in on trying to get as many Magic packs as possible. Like even that community, I really did not notice any sort of like, like or the Yu-Gi-Oh community, I did not notice any hardcore drive to like you know get their money back or anything like that. Like they just played for bragging rights essentially. Right, and that's, I did a uh, super similar thing two years ago, many moons ago, uh, for Pokemon trading card game, where I, I don't remember who it was um, initially, but uh, I was joking around, and uh, they were playing on a Saturday, uh, just for like the week before a Saturday Magic event, and I was like, oh man, Pokemon's awesome, you know, I play the games, and I was spiel, whatever. And they're like, oh, I have an extra deck, you know, and that, that person needs to play Magic. And I was like, what kind of deck would this Pokemon deck be compared to? And he's like, well, it's a Blastoise deck, so I guess it's similar to how High Tide is. 
and I'm like, okay, that makes sense to me. <laughs> and then he's, I'm like, he's like, and then I have this Garchomp deck that's like goblins. And then I'm, I'm like, okay, you're making sense to me. Can I play it? And then he taught me how to play the new rules because I only knew apparently of like the 2004 rules before everything was rather <laughs> Um But like the Blastoise deck is like, you know, slam out Blastoise and he's like dump infinite water energies on this Keldeo EX and it smacks for like 200 and some damage in one hit. So it's like you just draw 30,000 cards and then just win. And it just reminded me of like Time Spiral and stuff in High Tide. And then the Drac... Stop talking dirty. <laughs> I know, I'm, I'm sorry. And then like, the other deck was like you out a dragon basic and then you play another one and then that one tutors for a dragon put it in your hand so i tutor for another one evolves the one i played last turn and then they chain like each turn just massive smack them hard so i got hooked so i built the dragon deck because it was super awesome and i every thursday i would go play pokemon um i took like a two or three month hiatus for magic because i was burned out and I Eisenberg the Pokemon community. <laughs> like, it was a bunch of teenage kids, you know, younger kids, um, and they love the EX Pokemon cards, so I hooked them up, you know. And But I, in the back of my mind, kept the Arizona thing, so I didn't screw anyone over. If, a, if this kid had, like, a foil trainer that was worth 20 bucks, and I wanted it for my deck, this was the last foil I needed. And he's like, oh, I just want this one EX, and it's worth $2. I'm like, what else do you want? And then I threw, like, 10 EX Pokemon cards at him. It was, like, $20, and he was just ecstatic. So then everyone would come to me, and then I would trade, 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 trade. And in the end, um, I don't know if you've ever seen, like, these sweet full art cards that they have for Pokemon. Like, I, I have a few of them from my Pokemon splurge buying a few months ago. Like, they <laughs> look awesome. Like, Pokemon cards look sweet nowadays. And I had... They did not back in the day. <laughs> you shut your mouth. Fossil get. Fossil I had some, Hunter man. looked awesome. <laughs> okay, whatever. Uh, the, I had three decks that were worth uh, five or six hundred bucks a piece because they were completely full, full art and foil. So, a full year of trading and, you know, buying a little bit you know, that kind of thing. Not nearly as much as Magic. When I sold out, I kept one of the decks. Um, but when I sold out, it was probably almost $1,000 for just trading with people. And, like, I guess with that, like, the EV, you know, the air quotes, the effort value, like, how much effort I put in, I didn't really put much in. And then all, actually, and then all the packs I got from playing because I was a a very smart player because in Pokemon you don't have sideboards. So you have to know your deck list 100%. And when you're sitting there tutoring your deck, you have to know how many of this energy, how many of this trainer, how many of this Pokemon I have left. And you win by exact seeds a lot of the time. So I, I would win quite frequently. <laughs> and I would get, you know, four packs. So I would get pack vouchers. And then I would buy magic singles. And I'm going to convert that into other currencies. And, yeah. So, Pokemon, I've been thinking about doing it again. <laughs> <laughs> I, I made a promise to Mason, the store owner, that 
the owner of the store that I play at that if they ever have another competitive Gengar deck that I will play Pokemon for the duration that that deck is good. They did when I played and it's rotated now. I know. But that's why I said, like, so they told me that there used to be one. I'm like, well, if it ever happens again, I will as long as I'm still allowed to have Haunter in the deck. Technically, <laughs> technically they, it, they do because they have a standard and an extended pretty much <laughs> now, and they only run extended events now. It's expanded, but extended events because it opens the play field for everyone, and it only goes back like two sets, like extended for Magic used to be. So I'm pretty sure that you could get away with it, and I'm probably being a terrible friend right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. If, if, if Mason isn't the one pushing me to do it, I don't feel that obligated. Uh, I, just, I just love me some, some Gen 1 Ghost Pokemon. Facebook Messenger... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you want, jo- you want John to dump even more money into your sword than he already does? Here you go. <laughs> Uh, so, so did you notice amongst the actual Pokemon community that they all that did they have like the "I need to make my money back" mentality, or do oh. you think like was it non-existent just because of like the age categories? Um, I guess yeah, I skipped that part. Sorry. Um, the the age group that I played, there was probably ten kids that were twelve and under because they have three different categories: it's junior, seniors, and master division. Like juniors is like I think twelve and under, thirteen to seventeen is seniors, and then it's you know adults, mm-hmm. pretty much. And there's only ever like five or four adults that played, so that you get paired, you get matched, uh, master divisions, a hundred percent master, unless it's an odd number of players, then they'll push a senior up. It's really weird how they do the. Uh, it's like uh, whatever program that they use for Wizards of Event Reporter. It's a weird version of that, and it pulls everyone in the same tournament, but only pairs you based on your age group. Mm-hmm. But a gray area. Huh. So I played against a little kid one time. Uh, but anyway, that's another thing. But <laughs> you just like you sit down. You're like, I'm gonna win this. It's gonna be great. You look at your opponent. They're like a six year old, and you're like, oh. <laughs> no, and, that, and it's so weird because you don't get that very often with magic. You know, it's very rare that you play against someone that young. But when you and like Pokemon, when you sit down against them, it's obviously it's, you know more of a quote unquote casual style event because it's a bunch of kids playing cards without sleeves in the paper fold out thing they got in their pre deck, You know, for their playmat. <laughs> so when you sit across a kid like that, and you're just thinking, I'm going to crush you, but you don't because you just play your basic Pikachu. And then they're like, oh, I love Pikachu. And it's like, yeah, me too, man. I love Buckkip. And then <laughs> you just kind of gurgle and have fun with the kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to actually answer your question, no, uh, I did not see any of that type of mentality there. There, it was, I probably sparked a little bit of it because I was playing competitive <laughs> decks. And the senior division guys uh, like to play competitive decks, but they play it more, slightly more casual. Like, they'll play, like, there's a, a Rayquaza, like, aggro deck. And they're like, you know, this is the stock list I find online, but I'm going to play a couple other cards because I like them. You know, most mm-hmm. people do that in Magic, too. But when I kind of started playing, uh, we went, I, I didn't go to, ever go to States, but they started going to States and playing. 
you know, in the medium, like five and three, five and four. Mm-hmm. So I kind of sparked it. But from my understanding now, there's more adults playing that um, I'm friends with a few of them. And I can ask, actually, out of curiosity, if that mentality is floating around. But I kind of feel that it isn't. And it would be kind of interesting to step in and be like, hey, there's 10 of us adults. Four of us would like to play competitive states events. Let's let's do it, you know. Let's let's see if we can get a carload of people to start doing that. Maybe it would broaden the play group a little bit. Maybe people from other card games would say, "Oh, I love Pokemon, but I've always wanted to try states events or go to regionals, but no one ever does it, so I I only think it's casual." Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I because I've always wanted to do that. I think I just, I worked like two retail jobs, so I never could. I wonder why the the um uh, the mentality is so unique to Magic. It just it just still kind of blows my mind that we have the, that two two card games, probably the next two largest ones right under Magic, and we can't really see that coming out the the oh I need to make my money back each time I play. Can can I make a, a little aside here? Sure. This is, the, this is the second time that you have literally said the exact same thing that I was going to say as soon as there was a pause. <laughs> <laughs> like we just think a lot alike and it's really weird when we're not actively arguing with each other. <laughs> Aha, I <I'm> used <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like, uh, I, it's better that I said it because I've been quiet the whole yeah. time for once. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've basically become the host of this episode. <laughs> I'm a, that's all right. Yeah, like, uh, do some work for I a was, while. I was, Sorry. I was going to say another random side note. Uh, one of our mutual friends, uh, it says, you know, obviously she's a com- more of a competitive player. But yesterday I handed her Blue Red Control, my own brew uh, for Standard, and she 4 0 and she just said she borrowed the standard showdown tonight with my brew. Sweet. It's, just, it's control, but it's got like, you know, six random cards in the sideboard that say, wait, what? Glorybringer? Why would you play that? I'm like, yeah, because it kills Gideon. Next Dude, question. Because it kills everything, including players. I have Glorybringer <laughs> in the sideboard of my blue red control. The card was gas. Like, wow. I, I'd, be really, I'd be interested to see the comparison between our two lists. They're probably similar. Let's be They're honest. probably very similar. We we tend to like a lot of the same weird stuff in our <laughs> control decks. <laughs> also, uh, good good for her yeah. actually branching out into not you know Marvel or whatever the current best deck is. Yeah, I kind of currently have her new perspectives combo deck in my possession, so she has like half of the duels are in my possession, so she can't. <laughs> you should keep them. <laughs> I don't give them back. I mean, she's gone four zero into events with blue red, so I feel yeah. like she's probably gonna play it for a little bit longer. <laughs> All right, so uh, yeah, back to the actual okay. topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what is it about magic uh, okay. that like pulls people into the "I need to make my money back" mentality? Like, I that's what I'm trying to figure out in everything. Because it's, it's not just a local yeah. thing; it's literally everyone. Yeah. Like uh, that's a huge thing on, uh, yeah, magic subreddits and social media and stuff like that. Like it's not uncommon, right? Like, it's 
it's I can't think of anything either. It's it's just one of those. I guess maybe there's just since we have so many, you know, I guess I'll say not large circuits. Well, like you know, Star City, I guess would be a medium compared to a GP, or maybe vice versa now because Star City is so popular. But maybe there's so many types of those and so many sub sub events like Star City IQ qualifiers and PPTQs. There's so much more, so many more of those now than there used to be. So people have the chance to play more competitive Magic. Maybe people are just kind of getting sucked in and the mentality they catch on. You know, monkey see, monkey do from other people. Maybe uh, like. It kind of would make sense that magic, like, that is a very large part of our existence as magic players. Like, it, there's a lot of, like, things you can watch that allow you to be competitive. Like, even magic online. You know, you're... I mean, and that's where, I think that's a big part of the mentality, too. Because it's, to some degree, it's really important there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, right. you don't want to keep throwing tickets away into nothing like I do. You want to actually try and, you know play for a little bit off your $25. Right. Right. Hmm. That's why I don't play Magic Online. Because I suck at drafting, let me tell you. If someone throws a five-color deck, I have to draft it. I'm the worst. Dude. (laughs) Yeah, you are. No. (laughs) You should I like to think of myself as being a very good drafter, but damn, do I get pissed off when I lose to shit on Magic Online. I swear to God, I flood more on Magic Online than anywhere else. You get salty. It's hilarious. Yeah. But okay, so we still have more to talk about, but um, uh, I think we're gonna end this one here, and we'll split it into a two-parter. So um, I guess we will just sign it off then. Right now, if you have any feedback, you can send it to us at thelocalmeta at gmail dot com. Uh, you can catch us on Twitter at thelocalmetapc. And you can catch John's streams at twitch.tv slash galerivers, G-A-L-E-R-I-V-E-R-S. And so once again, full oh. disclosure, I have not streamed in a while. I, I just got a brand new computer. I'm setting everything up. I even, I even have OBS up already. But I need to... I Apparently the camera I bought for my computer, the actual USB cord is literally a foot long. And it does not reach my tower. So I need to buy an extender before I can actually use the camera. I have one, John. I'll bring okay. it to you. <laughs> so, once again, yeah, I, I stream, like, very rarely, but I have VODs if you want to watch me ranting. <laughs> okay. All right. So, um, I guess then for you guys, you will have to catch the rest of this next week, but how we're going to do it right now, Secrets of Podcasting. Um... So I guess until uh, until next week, we will catch you then. See ya.